Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. October, November time, a few of us were just chatting about these meetings, these gatherings that we were having, and we noticed, hey, something's happening. Like the, the spiritual temperature in the room seems to have just turned up a little notch. There's more people who seem to be meeting with God's presence. There's more people who seem to be uh, jumping up and sharing a, a word or a picture during the times of worship. There's more people who are praying out in another language and uh, just a little bit more. It wasn't like uh, all of a sudden like glory revival descended, but there, there was something quite tangibly noticeable to quite a lot of us. And so when I raised the question with the team and said, hey, what should we talk about after Christmas? Pretty much everybody had the same answer. So it'd be great just to delve into what the Holy Spirit does in the life of a Christian and in the life of a church, except Elizabeth, who wanted to do Leviticus. But um, (laughs) most of us were on the same page. And um, it's an interesting thing, because I started having similar conversations at some of the other sites of CCM and found that they were reporting the same thing in their gatherings and they all wanted to have the same focus as well. So, uh, so we did and then we put together a little um, series that we, we've been doing and I've got this conviction, right? this is just how I think it works, that if we're going to see the Holy Spirit move powerfully when we're together, the starting point is each one of us walking faithfully with the Holy Spirit in our own lives in the rest of the time when we're not gathered. So that's where we started. We talked about what is it to be filled with the Spirit? And we had this visual image, I don't know if you remember it, of like a kid wearing a coat uh, at the top of a hill on a windy day and like lifting the corners of the coat uh, and catching the wind and the wind fills the coat uh, and the kid's blown along by the momentum of the wind. And that's the picture of something like what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we talked about, well, what, what happens then when you're filled with the Spirit? How does that affect your life? How we walk by the Spirit? How we, uh, our minds are changed by the Spirit. Our minds go on to different things. And we put to death the works of the flesh by the Spirit. We're led by the voice of the Spirit. We understand our identity as children of God by the Spirit. We start to hope. When, when things aren't going well, we get a new hope through the Spirit. We get to pray in the Spirit. And then out of that, out of the work that the Spirit is doing in each of us, when we gather together, wouldn't we then expect the Spirit to be ministering amongst us? And so a couple of weeks, Andy looked at 1 Corinthians 12 and how we are the body of Christ. And each one of us has a part to play. Each one has something to bring. And we should value what each person brings. And then last week, we looked at love. And because the truth is, right, you might be gifted. You might be able to speak in tongues of men and angels. But if it's all about you and you're doing that to slam everyone else down, that's not really what the Holy Spirit's about. The Holy Spirit is building us together in love. And today we're heading into 1 Corinthians chapter 14, which is going more into those gifts that we were talking about right at the beginning. And the chapter focuses particularly on two specific gifts 
of the Spirit. One of them is prophecy and one of them is speaking in tongues or speaking in other languages is another way of saying that. And I'm just going to tell you a bit of my story because this will help with this. Right, The first maybe eight to ten years of my Christian life were a huge struggle. This was probably the area that I was most confused about, that I was most trying to figure out because I was living in two different realities at the same time. So uh, I was part of a Christian community where basically these things were ignored. There was no space made. I never heard anyone prophesy. I never heard anyone speak in tongues. If I asked about it, there was kind of an awkward shuffling and changing the subject. We don't really want to talk about that here. And um, in fact, some people would go uh, as far as saying, no, no, that that stuff doesn't even exist today anymore. That's uh, just in New Testament times. we, We shouldn't even be looking to see this. And then the other reality that I was living in was the Bible, because I was reading the Bible and I was reading passages like the, the one we're going to look at today. I was like, oh, I mean, that, it looks really good. It looks like there's a community of people. It looks like God leads the worship of his people, not just through one person at the front with a guitar, but through the whole body. And God's speaking to different people and it's ministering to different people. And this glorious vision of the church community with the spirit indwelling it and working. I was like, oh, I, I want that. And I'm not seeing it. And so then I started kind of over time, gradually starting seeing some different settings and settings where uh, the gifts were used. And I was pretty disappointed with what I saw. I'd see uh, maybe someone with the gift of prophecy be on a big stage and it's like they wanted to dominate and they wanted their gift to be the be all and end all. It's all about like building up their own name rather than humbly serving the body of Christ. And uh, times that I saw the gift of tongues used was like walking into a, a church meeting, like everybody at the same time was all praying in tongues and no one was explaining what was going on. And I was quite new to it. I was like, this is weird. I don't know what to do with this. And just odd. And finally, 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 when, when I started to see it practiced like the Bible teachers Honestly, it was liberating. It was life-giving. It was like living water to my soul. This is God, the Holy Spirit at work. So what I want to do really this morning, this is my plan. I want to normalise the idea that God will work through speaking to different people in the community. This is how God works. Church was never meant to be one or two people at the front and everybody else passively taken in contact. We are a community, a spirit-filled community And God will speak through different ones of us. I want to normalise the fact that these gifts are part of what it is to be church. The other lie that I was told, maybe lies too strong, because maybe the people who kind of implied it thought that it was true. But the mistake that I was taught was like, look, these things, they kind of happened in New Testament times and then... Maybe after like Azusa Street and in the 20th century it came back and nothing in between. There was this whole span of time that these gifts just stopped. The Holy Spirit went on holiday or something like that. I've read enough church history since then to know that that isn't the case. So I'm just going to give you a couple of examples. Right? Charles Spurgeon, a great church leader of the 19th century. How many of you know that Charles Spurgeon had the gift of prophecy? You see, it doesn't often get talked about, does it? Right, this is um, what a shoemaker said uh, about Spurgeon. He said, I went to the music hall. I took my seat in the middle of the place. Mr. Spurgeon looked at me as if he knew me. And in his sermon, he pointed to me and he told the congregation that I was a shoemaker and that I kept my shop open on Sundays. And I did, sir. 
I should not have minded that. But he also said that I took ninepence the Sunday before and that there was fourpence profit out of it. I did take ninepence that day and fourpence was just the profit. But how should he know that? I could not tell. Then it struck me that it was God who'd spoken to my soul through him. So I shut up my shop the next Sunday. At first, I was afraid to go again to hear him, lest he should tell the people more about me. But afterwards I went and the Lord met with me and saved my soul. Isn't that cool? Like Charles Spurgeon just busting out a word of knowledge in the middle of a preach. Or Irenaeus, right? I'm, I'm doing an assignment on Irenaeus. So I've been reading him a lot recently. But there's this bit, right, where he describes what church life was like. We're talking like towards the end of the second century, 150 years after Jesus. Listen to this. Wherefore also those who are in truth his disciples, receiving grace from him, do in his name perform miracles so as to promote the welfare of other men according to the gifts which each one has received from him. For some do certainly and truly drive out devils, so that those who have thus been cleansed from evil spirits frequently both believe in Christ and join themselves to the church. Others have foreknowledge of things to come. They see visions and utter prophetic expressions. Others still heal the sick by laying hands upon them, and they are made whole. And yes, moreover, as I have said, the dead have even been raised up and remained among us for many years. And what shall I more say? It is not possible to name the number of the gifts which the church has received from God in the name of Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? Don't you want to be a part of a Christian community like that? God works through his church. So CCM, let's think about where we're at when it comes to this stuff. So I don't think we're over here, which is like the, the churches that I first was around, where it's ignored, where there's no space, where it's dismissed. As long as I've been part of CCM, there's always been a space, there's always been a hunger for God to speak prophetically. I don't think we're there. I also don't think we're over here, where it's particularly abused, where it becomes like um, kind of a power show or people try to promote themselves. I don't think we're here either. But hand on heart, nor do I think we're quite like the Irenaeus vibes, what he's describing. I, I, I think there's more that we can do. We can step up, we can grow, we can see more of this. And that's what I want us to do today. I want us to take the next step on the journey into God moving in this way. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If you've got a Bible, please do open it. I'm not going to read the whole of it. It might be helpful to have it there with you so you can see context, because it's a long chapter. And what I'm going to do is over this week and next week, so this is going to be kind of a two-part exploration. Now, these will be recorded, so if you're here today and you know you're away next week, please do have a listen, uh, or vice versa. If you're not here today, you're not hearing me talk, so we can uh, save that point for next week. But what I'm going to do is right at the end of the chapter, he summarises his main ideas. And we're going to use that as our launch pad. And then we're going to dip back into the chapter to see where he's getting that from to build up these three things that he says. So let's read verse 39 and 40 to see what the kind of take-home idea is. He says, So my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy. That's point number one. Earnestly desire to prophesy. And do not forbid speaking in tongues. That's point number two. 
But all things should be done decently and in order. That's point number three. We're only going to do one of them this morning. We're going to talk about earnestly desire to prophesy this morning. And then next week, we'll have a look at tongues. We'll have a look at things being done in order. Two things you need to know about 1 Corinthians to make sense of it, because otherwise you will get confused. First thing is this. It's a letter that was written into a very, very specific situation. This wasn't just like an info dump where Paul said, I'm going to just throw down everything I know about prophecy and tongues. It's not even a manual of how to do it. He's trying to correct a problem. Because you've got this church in Corinth, and Paul was there. Paul started it with his mates, Priscilla, Aquila, Timothy, and Silas. They started this little church, but then persecution came. Paul had to leave while the church was still in its early stages. So he's trying to support them from a distance. They've run into a few problems. One of the problems is they're absolutely obsessed with speaking in tongues. So when they gather together, it's like they're all doing it. They're doing it over the top of one another. It's getting competitive as though it's a competition. Who's the most spiritual person in the church? Who can do the loudest, longest tongue with the fanciest words in it? There's a prize for that person. And that's what it was about. He's like, I'm not sure that's how it should be. So it's a bit of a corrective is how he's writing it. That's one thing to know. Second thing you need to know about 1 Corinthians is it's part of a back and forth correspondence. So it's not Paul just writing to them. He's replying to them. They've already written a letter to him. I don't know if you do this, right? You know, if um, you get an email and someone emails you like a bunch of questions or a bunch of points that they want to make and you reply to their email, Often you won't just start and do a completely like prose response. Often you'll take their bullet points and you'll leave them in and then you'll add your thoughts by way of response to them. That is exactly what Paul's doing in 1 Corinthians. So at the start of chapter 7, you'll see him say something like, now concerning the matters about which you wrote. So you've written some things to me. I'm going to tell you my thoughts on them. Immediately after that, he quotes something that they've said. And we'll we'll see in our Bibles quotation marks around a point that they've made about marital relationships. Now, that's not our topic for today. But his thing about, I'm quoting what you're saying, and now I'm giving my thoughts on it. That's actually something that happens loads of times through 1 Corinthians, particularly the second half of it. In the original Greek, quotation marks weren't a thing. So in order to figure out exactly where he's doing that, It needs a bit of study, it needs to look at the context, it needs to look at the flow of the argument. And usually the best place to spot it is if he says something, then immediately has like a, yeah, but, and then makes out why the first thing was stupid. He's not just contradicting himself. He's not putting out like weird kind of, um, like on the other hand thinking. He's saying, you you say this, no, 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 I'm going to give you a better way of looking at it. And this happens a lot. So if you don't spot this, you'll think Paul's completely kind of off his head. He doesn't make sense. He's saying one thing and the other thing. And you'll end up thinking he's saying things that actually he's trying to argue the opposite of. So just be aware of all of that. Right. Context done. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Earnestly desire to prophesy. I should say as well, when I put verses on the screen, if I put them in orange... That's the bits that I think he's quoting them. Okay, just that will help you as we read it. 1 Corinthians 14, earnestly desire to prophesy. That's the call on us. That's the instruction on us. So what is prophecy? 
Well, here's our working definition we're going to go with. Prophecy is a human report of a divine revelation. So that means what happens when you prophesy is that God has in some way spoken to you or shared something with you, and you then out loud share what God has said to you. A divine revelation. Now, there's a preach from a few weeks ago that Claire did where she outlined so well how do we hear from the Spirit. I'm not going to have time to do all that Claire did. I would highly recommend going back and listening to Claire talk about the whole process of listening to God. But God speaks to us in so many different ways. I know for some people, the way they hear from the Spirit is through pictures. And God will put a picture in their mind of something, and that will be how God speaks through them. Other times, it might be a word. So in your kind of internal monologue, a word pops in there that's not kind of part of your own thing. So, oh, where did that come from? Now, honestly, I very rarely have God speak to me through pictures, but speaking through words is something that happens a lot more. I know other people, it's different. God speaks through pictures to them more, or other things. It might be certain circumstances or things that's happening or verses that jump out of the Bible. But in some way, your spirit just has this sense of, ah, this isn't just me. This isn't just me thinking. There's something more to this. And you kind of have that sense, God is saying something. Here's the important point. This is something for all of us who are Christians. All of us. It's not just for one or two leaders, and it's not just for one or two people who are specially gifted as a prophet. Now, I do believe some people are specially gifted as a prophet, but all of us can hear from God. All of us can practice prophecy. Let me convince you. Uh, in the Old Testament, you'd have certain prophets. One of them was Joel, and he prophesied something uh, that, that said, can we have uh, the verse on there? There it is. He said, in the last days... It shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So God's going to pour out his Holy Spirit. And when that happens, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. And Peter, on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit was poured out and everyone was confused and saying, what's going on? And he had to answer the question. He stood up and said, you remember what Joel said? Well, this is it. The Spirit's been poured out. And so now the whole people of God, men and women, old and young, will all prophesy. All of us could do it. In fact, in our chapter, in verse 31, now he's talking about kind of the, the order with which they do it, which we'll come on to next week but he starts his verse by saying this for you can all prophesy nice and clear it's something that we can all do now I think sometimes some of us struggle with this idea you might be saying I get it in theory in practice I find it really difficult I don't know what it is to hear from God in that way Listen, it's not about special kind of gimmicky tricks or anything like that. It's developing a close walk with God. It's developing an intimate spiritual life and hearing from him. Here's how Whitney Hopler puts it. It doesn't have to be that way. God wants everyone to hear his voice and messages for us clearly, and it is possible to do so. The key is to forget, on, is to forget about formulas and gimmicks for hearing from God. Focus instead on developing the kind of relationship with God that will empower you to hear God speaking regularly. The closer you get to God, 
the more you can enjoy ongoing conversations with him, both listening and hearing from him, and the more God will use those conversations to transform you into the person he wants you to become. So prophecy, we're talking about a divine revelation, but then there's the other bit of that definition, isn't there? There's the human report, there's the bit where you actually say it out loud, you share that revelation with the church. Now, a really important thing to think about on this is what Paul says in verse 32. He says, the spirit of prophets are subject to prophets. Now, what he means by this, right, is just because God has shown you something, that doesn't put you kind of into autopilot spiritual mode of like, hey, stop the meeting, everybody. God showed me something. I'm just going to blurt it out. I don't care if it helps you. God's speaking through me. I'm kind of in... You know, like third rock from the sun when they get the message from the supreme leader and they just stop functioning and have to say it out loud? It's not that, right? It's not that. God shared something with you, but because your spirit is still subject to you, it means you can have a think about it. You can mull it over. You can ask some questions in your mind. And maybe you'll think about these yourselves. Maybe you'll pray these questions Let me tell you a really good question to ask if you think God's sharing something with you. Who is this for? Who is this thing that you're saying, God? Is it just for me? You know, the numbers of times that we've been worshipping and I felt the Spirit just give me a word and then I've mulled on it. I was like, ah, that's for me. That's something that God's encouraging me with. That's relevant to a situation that I've got going on. Maybe I don't need to share that with everyone. Maybe I need to just pray into it and be encouraged and receive it. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. You've spoken to me. Other times it might be that uh, God has spoken to me. I'm pretty sure that this is a message for that person. Yeah, God's speaking. This is for Jamie, this one. So if that happens, then I might just go over to Jamie and say, hey, we're just worshipping. I thought God was saying this for you and I'll pass that on. I'll offer to pray maybe. Or if I didn't know Jamie so well, maybe I'd invite one or two others who do know him better and we could pray together. Or maybe it is for everyone. And if it is for everyone, then I'd bring it to the whole group. Maybe um, from where I'm standing or uh, as we're worshipping, or maybe I'd jump up at the front and say, "Ah, just um, as we were worshipping, I just had this word. I wonder if God might be speaking to a few people here. So ask who it's for and ask what exactly is God saying? Because I think sometimes what we do in our insecurity is God said something and we'll share that and then we'll kind of blurt out a few of our own extra thoughts about what to do with it. And it's, it's not bad to suggest application, but make it clear which bit is from God and which bit isn't. So what would you expect God to say? You know, if you're prophesying, what, what kind of thing would it be? Well, let's go to the start of the chapter. So verses two to four help us here. Now, just to... Um, give you an illustration of what I was talking about before. I think verse 2 is something that the Corinthians likely wrote to Paul, and they were bigging up how good speaking in tongues was, and they were like, look, one who speaks in a tongue, he's not speaking to men, you're speaking to God. No one understands, you're speaking mysteries in the spirit. And you see that key phrase? Yeah, on the other hand, it's like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, right? But here's another way of thinking about it. Prophecy is useful, because one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in the tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. He says, look, when I'm prophesying, the end result will be upbuilding. It will be encouragement and it will be consolation. 
I was at one of our Falafel meetings uh, a couple of weeks ago, and during the worship time, someone jumped up to the front. This was someone who doesn't do it very often. Like, I've never uh, heard her come to the front and share before, but uh, she said as, uh, as we were worshipping, it's like God gave her uh, just a sense, like a reminder of in the past a meeting she was at where uh, someone offered to pray for wombs and she thought that that was pretty relevant for this particular meeting and she just said look I think God's sharing this and I'll just be at the back and if anyone wants to respond and receive prayer for their womb then come and find me and we can pray and over the course of the meeting numbers of people did they went and they received prayer and they were encouraged and built up through it. That's a great example of someone hearing from God. It doesn't seem like this massive, like, huge thing, but just coming up, sharing, I think this might be what God's saying. Application, I'd love to pray for people. Some people receive prayer and are blessed through it. That's great because prophecy is building up some people within the church. Now, if what you think you're hearing from God doesn't have that character of upbuilding, encouragement, consolation, if you think it's something a bit heavy or a bit different, that doesn't mean it's not from God. But it might mean the gathered congregation is not the most appropriate place to bring it. It could be that you have a word with Andy and say, look, this is a bit of a confusing one. I thought God was saying this. I don't really know what to do with it. But could we pray into it? There are other ways to bring stuff. But when we gather together, it's about encouraging and building up the body. Also, just one more thing to say. Um, you don't have to be totally sure. You know, if you think God might be saying something, that's okay, share it. But don't, if, if you're not totally sure, and in fact, even if you think you are totally sure, I would advise you not to like go, thus says the Lord. <laughs> it's just weird, isn't it? <laughs> but if you were to intro it like, hey, as we were worshipping, this picture popped into my mind. I think it might be from God. I wanted to share it in case it helps some people. You're communicating with appropriate humility. At the end of chapter 13, Paul's already said, we prophesy in part. We're not expecting this to be 100% bang on. And he says in verse 29 of chapter 14, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. He's expecting that some stuff will be prophesied that then we'll need to think about, we'll need to mull over, we'll need to uh, kind of assess, okay, is God speaking through this? And there are various ways we can do that. We compare it with what we know to be true from Scripture. We think about how easily it sits with our own spirit. Does it just kind of seem, oh, I'm not sure about that? Or is our spirit consoled and comforted through it? How does it relate to other stuff that God's been bringing recently? And at one time, I was in a meeting, Andrew Davies, the guy who spoke on the weekend away, he picked me out, like specifically, said, I think God's saying this to you, Tom. And what he said was absolutely bang on for some stuff in my life that he had no idea about. So, okay, I think I can receive this. Other times, people have uh, shared a word for me. There's nothing wrong with it, but it doesn't particularly make too much sense. I'm not going to dismiss it. It's like, think about your stove at home. You've got like the back burner. I'll just put that on the back burner of my mind. Maybe something will happen in life or another thing will be brought and this will become super relevant. I'll hold on to it, but might not do a lot with it. And when we're weighing it, the bigger it is, the higher the bar, right? So if somebody wants to bring a word and the word is, hey, I want to remind you all, there's no condemnation in Christ. God loves you. You know, we can all accept that because we know it to be true. And whether or not in that moment, the Holy Spirit was the one who prompted that to be shared, 
You know what, even if it was just a blessed thought from the person, hey, it's a good blessed thought, and it's great, we can receive that. If it was a bit more directional, if it was like, hey, God's telling you to change your job, change where you live, go to this place. Yeah, probably do need to weigh that, probably do want a bit more confirmation there. If God says it through two or three different people, then maybe there's something in it. But the call here, and this is, I think, the call we need to receive as a church, is to earnestly desire prophecy. I think our language sometimes gives us away. I've been around too many people who will say things like, I'm open to the gifts of the Spirit. It's like, well, it doesn't sound great, does it? Like, if, if I was to say to a friend or family member, look, I'm open to spending time with you. <laughs> it sounds a little bit like a, oh, go on then. But if I say I earnestly desire it, I really want to see you, I really want to be with you, it's a different flavour, isn't it? Earnestly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially that you may prophesy. I remember there was a Christian leader a few years ago who would talk about being charismatic with a seatbelt. I was thinking, what? <laughs> what right do you have to put a seatbelt on the work of the Holy Spirit? If the Holy Spirit wants to take you full throttle, go full throttle with the Holy Spirit. He's good. He wants to bless you. He wants to do good to you. If I'm honest, I think our bar of desire as a church has been set to warm. I think there has been hunger, but I think God's calling us now to a red hot desire of the gifts of the Spirit. And the challenge on us is to step up and step in. John Piper says, I wonder how many of us have said for years we are open to God's moving in spiritual gifts, but have been disobedient to this command to earnestly desire them, especially prophecy. Isn't that a strong word? Disobedient. And yet the Bible says, earnestly desire prophecy. So here's what I want us to do. I want our expectation levels to change. As we gather together, I want us to come together believing that the Holy Spirit is going to move. The Holy Spirit is going to speak and he's going to speak through different people in the room. I want us to eagerly desire that God will speak to each one of us. An eagerly desire, it does mean being open. It does mean being ready. It does mean not thinking this is just something for other people. This is just for the extroverts. It isn't just for the extroverts. It's for all of us. But it means more than just being open. It means asking. It means praying. It means crying out, God, would you speak? God, would you say something? God, would you give me something that I can use to bless the body? Eagerly desire.